You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. I am your host, Ryan Schlipp. We're going to listen to some phone calls. We're going to talk about some football, maybe, probably. We, yesterday was a football day. So I got a, I got a feeling as we get closer to the season, people are more interested. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's just a weird day. But um, how about we get started with uh, Mikey Boy, see what's going on. What's up, Mike? Mike? Hey, Pat, Caddy, hey there he is. Fan. Um, I just wanted to just bring up a point real quick. You were talking about the fact that Christian, you know, it's disappointing not to see uh, Christian Watson. I agree. I'd love to have seen him yesterday as well. Um, and the fact that he's probably not probably going to get a full start because of the fact that he's not going to get into the lineup because they're not going to practice him. They're not going to have him as part of the game plan. I wouldn't be too concerned about that this year. The thing you got to remember is, they don't play the first game now for like three, like, like a month. I mean, seriously, September 11th. I mean, that's literally like almost three weeks from now. So they they got plenty of time. Um, I guess I don't quite understand why they have that. Uh, I don't know why they have two and a half weeks before the next game. Uh, ridiculous. But anyway, that's a separate issue. Um so, yeah, a little bit different this year. They've got plenty of time to get Christian Watson worked into the starting lineup and into the game plan. Um, you know, again, I don't know specifically what their practice schedule is. I guess you'd have to look at that, see if they have enough time. But I think that's probably why Matt LaFleur made that decision. Because, you know, he's got that extra week or week and a half or however, eternity, whatever it is. Anyway, so uh, just something to think about. Yeah, so um, I actually talked about this a little bit on tomorrow's podcast. I just got done recording the whole Christian Watson thing because Matt LaFleur had just talked and mentioned that um, they decided not to put him in the game so that he can get the full two weeks, the remaining two weeks, to kind of rest, I guess. I don't know if that just means no game action or if they're planning on holding him out of practice as well. But I I do think it's going to slow down his progress. You know, I mean, Romeo Dobbs, if Romeo Dobbs was in this spot, he would not be playing in the regular season very much, like at all. As a consequence of what he was able to display and the work he got done through the preseason, getting the reps in games with Aaron Rodgers in particular, not in games obviously, but um, all of that has contributed to the fact that Romeo Dobbs is, as Rodgers already said, is on another level. He's he's kind of at the 2.0 now. It's we're, we're beyond the rookie stuff. He's kind of being held to a new standard. He's expected to do more. And they're they're expecting things from him this season, which they are as Rogers alluded to, not expecting from Christian Watson. So it certainly hurt him. I don't know how much one game would have helped him, but it certainly would have been better than nothing. And yeah, I don't know how much catch-up work they can do, but I, the, the bottom line is I think it's almost a guarantee that by week one, Romeo Dobbs is ahead of Christian Watson. Um, just because Watson can't get to that level. There's nothing Watson can do to get to where Romeo Dobbs is right now. It just takes time, and he hasn't had time to do that. I understand he's studying and reading a manual and all that stuff. It's like my dad told me growing up, you can read a book on how to be a pilot. It doesn't make me a pilot. You can sit in the meetings and you can learn and, and all this different stuff. It doesn't have anything to do with getting out on the field and learning it and doing it. Um, he Rogers even talked about a, an adjustment that was made in the huddle by uh, Watson as, as a sign of, of a little bit of growth. That's something that has to happen in a huddle. There has to be something that you did in a play that you did wrong that Rodgers can watch and tell you that's actually not correct. I want you to do this, and then he does it, and now you've grown. But you need to be in that situation in order to grow and to, to get to that point. So, I yeah, I don't know when they're going to practice him, and I have to assume they're going to try to get him caught up to speed as fast as is possible, but maybe not because, again, they've, they've got guys, and, and like I've said with A.J. Dillon, I mean, he was a second-round pick, and... Obviously, they really liked him, and they really liked his potential and all that, but you know, we got enough guys, and we've, we've got a game plan for the guys that we have, and that includes Alan Lazard, that includes Sammy Watkins, that includes Romeo Dobbs, that includes Aaron Rodgers, that includes uh, Randall Cobb. I mean, he's, he's, or not Randall, I said him already, Amari Rodgers. He's number six, 
And there's probably not going to be a massive game plan around a number six guy that's not going to get a ton of work. And and it, like I said, it's a cyclical thing. We're not going to make you a bigger part of the game plan because you haven't done enough work. You haven't been in games enough. And you're not going to get in games because you're not a part of the game plan. So I just feel like he's maybe stuck in that death spiral. Maybe they're going to try to push him, but I don't know that it's urgent. I don't think it is. I think they they established Lazard as the top guy. I think they like Sammy as the second best guy. I think they like Dobbs as the number three. I think they got Amari in the slot. I think they like what they've got from, I keep mixing them up, Randall Cobb in the slot. Um, and I think they they like a little bit of what Amari's been doing, doing some work in the backfield and maybe some other things. So I don't think it's urgent. Uh, I think they're very patient. They're willing to be patient. They were patient with A.J. Dillon. Nobody's sitting here right now saying those idiots ruined his career because they they basically sat him for a year. And we're sitting here watching it go, and he was good. That's the thing. When he came out, he was solid. His grades were phenomenal. We're, I mean, as a rookie, he's like the second highest graded rookie of anybody. And just sitting here going, why doesn't he get more opportunity? Don't need him. We got uh, We got guys we like. We don't need to push him out there. He's not quite ready where he needs to be mentally. And uh, so we just don't use him. That's why. And I just worry that that's what we're going to get from Christian Watson. It's going to be the A.J. Dillon symptom. Yes, I know he had COVID or whatever, but that doesn't change anything. He was That was a period of time, and then he was not in that situation, and he still didn't get time. It wasn't until both of our running backs were hurt, he came out, he dominated that game, and then they relegated him immediately back to you don't get to play anymore status. And I really think for too many people, they're stuck in what makes sense mode. We got to stop thinking about what makes sense and start thinking about what the Packers do. What makes sense to me is I want to see Christian Watson. It's the same thing we talk about with the 53 with Samori Ture and everybody else. He's good, so he should be on the team. You know, Christian Watson, we drafted him. He's talented. I think he's going to be great. We should push him and hurry, and maybe he's going to be this, and oh my goodness, and not that, 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 that. We got to get him out there. That I'm with you on everything. I agree with everything, but that's not my question. From what we've seen from Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, this organization, what makes the most sense for what's about to happen based on what we've seen in the past? That's the question that I'm trying to answer. Not what makes the most sense to me as a fan that's really excited about getting Christian Watson some reps and maybe he ends up being the next Calvin Johnson. Oh my goodness, who knows? I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a perspective thing. What's the question we're trying to answer? What makes the most sense to me? What would I really like to see? What would I do if I was the coach? Or what do we think the Packers do based on what the Packers do? Because if we're really answering the question, what are the Packers going to do based on what they've done? I can't make a case for like really pushing to make him a top wide receiver. And if we're not saying that, then what are we saying? We're not going to really push him to make him a number six. That doesn't make any sense because the number six doesn't get the ball. So, I mean, what, what, you know, I don't know. It's another thing I'm torn on, but I, I can't, it's a head and heart thing. My head says, He's not going to play very much. My heart says, but he has to. But I love him. Father, you don't understand. Lafleur, please. I love him. Please let him play. I mean, really, the, the, the fan in me wants nothing more than to see the offense roll out with A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, Robert Tunyon, and then Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs out there. These are our number one and number two guys. We just want that to be a thing. Why do, why do fans generally want that to be a thing? Because we've seen Lazard at his peak, and we don't want to believe that that's our peak at our number one wide receiver. We want to believe that our peak is way higher. We want to believe that Alan Lazard is our number three at best. It's not the reality right now, though. Lazard is number one. Sammy is number two. Dobbs is number three. That can change over the course of the season, clearly. And believe me, they would love to get a, a glimpse of what Christian Watson can do. And if he just does what Dobbs does, which is really excel at a rate that nobody expected and, and you know, is, is playing out of his mind, then yeah, that, then that changes the direction of how this conversation goes. But as of right now, without the ability to know that that's about to happen, this is where I sit with that situation, unfortunately. Anyways, let's keep it rocking. Let's keep it, uh, let's keep it funky here with Andy from Kansas. Hey, Ryan. Andy from Kansas. Nailed I was it. curious if you Freaking have a kind of a, a headline or, or at least a something that people have been, been wondering about all through training camp Okay. that you think that storyline has kind of been put to rest. And uh, also, if you have a storyline that has been going on for some weeks now. Do you have an example? Because I'm not sure. I feel like you're you're driving at something, and I'm not sure what it is. But you think it's still in development. 
you kind of need to hear what, what you think is done with and what you think is going to lead into the regular season as far as questions that um, still need to be answered. Uh, secondly, all right, let's let me think here. Storyline that has been put to rest, something that we've solved, and let's keep it Packers related because I don't want to get my brain is going to get overwhelmed trying to think of what to talk about. What are some of the offseason storylines for the Packers? I mean, Devontae would be boring, and, I, and that obviously was happening before the preseason. I'm guessing that's kind of what we're talking about is the preseason kind of put it to rest. Well, okay, number one, who's our number one wide receiver, right? Al Nazard is. Is Sammy Watkins going to make the roster? Settled. Um, I would say there was a massive amount of hype for Romeo Dobbs after he was drafted. I held back my assumptions on that. I mean, there's a lot of hype for a lot of these guys. Dobbs, Ture, Walker, um, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, kind of. Kingsley, right? I'm, I'm talking like national attention, like, dang, that was a good pick but especially Packer fans. But that was one where I don't know that I necessarily bought into it with Romeo Dobbs. And, and just generally, I don't, I don't know. But I think we've at least crossed a line into the guys that were Dobbs truthers after we drafted him were, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. He's definitely got something. He's definitely a special receiver. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if that materializes into him being a great all-time Packer or kind of a flame-out situation or what, but um, it's not just that he performed well in the preseason. We have established via Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, etc., that that he is going to be given a prominent role. As a fourth-round pick in a pretty crowded wide receiver room, he is going to be given a prominent role. So this is legit. Similar things, I think, could be said about Zach Tom. He has established himself. I don't know where he fits into this offense, but they know they at least have a quality backup right now, and I'm I'm content with that. Um, what other storylines? Well, you also referenced storylines that we have not closed the door on. One of them is David Bakhtiari is his injury detrimental. He has yet to come back and do anything significant. So that remains to be seen. The, the people that believe that this is a very serious situation, some of them believe he's never coming back. I'm not on that train, but we, that door is wide open. We have not closed the door on that narrative whatsoever. Um... Jordan Love, I don't think we've, we've, we, we've all established that he got better, but I don't know that there's a, an overarching narrative that got concluded. I mean, I think if he had had a terrible preseason, we could almost say we can kind of close the door on him. As, as unfair as that might be, we've kind of looked at it and said, look, it's been X amount of period of time. He has been really horrible pretty much since day one. We're, we're, if, it's, if it's not closed, it's, it's barely cracked open. But him taking a significant step forward, I think, leaves that door open to the question of, could he become a, a great, or a even adequate, good, great, whatever quarterback for the Packers? It was on its way being closed, and he put his foot in the door. I was like, just chill, all right? Just chill. So that door gets remained open. Um, I can't, and I, and I talk about this a lot tomorrow at the conclusion, just did a kind of a random mini rant, but... I can't close the door on the Packers' defense. I think a lot of people would love to do that. We know we got something with this defense. I don't know that we do. We have not seen the starters play against anybody. They did kind of beat up on the Saints. That's cool. I don't know. I know our second. I know our backups are not a very good defense. Run defense is terrible. Pass rush is terrible. Um, but they're backups, so I, I don't know. That, that, for me, that's still open. Hopefully we get an answer on that relatively quickly. Quay Walker, day one, starter, Colin plays. You can critique his play if you want, but it doesn't really matter. See, and, and, and again, I think that's another thing that's a little bit different with the fan perspective as opposed to the team perspective. The fans want to see Quay Walker make tackles, get sacks, get picks, and get 99 overall PFF grades. What we really should care about is Quay Walker was a starting linebacker day one. It has to do with the gray matter. It has to do with what's going on between the ears. This guy gets it. The, the play will, will, will come. It's the opportunities. It's the fact that the Packers since day one are like, this guy's legit. He's the guy. Holy cow. Done deal. It's settled. There, there was never, ever a competition. Now, we always assumed that Quay would win the job. There was, they never hinted at a competition. Quay was so many miles ahead of Chris Barnes, and they were so comfortable with his ability to be that guy that it was just it was a Done beyond done. And that means a lot coming from the Packers. I can't speak to the other 31 teams, but 
I just got done talking about Christian Watson, and that's how they do things. Rashawn Gary, look at how much talent he had that was hidden for two years because, eh, we got a couple guys. They will not push you out to the front if, if they don't feel the need to do it. And they don't have, they got Devondre Campbell. There's no need. If you want to run two linebackers, you put Chris Barnes out there and you bring Quay along slowly and you let him kind of figure it out. There was none of that. Day one, boom, done deal. That feels good. It, and, and the rest doesn't actually matter as much. Because they're not going to put him in that spot unless he has an understanding and an ability to play the position. That's the most important thing. He'll get a tackle, he'll get a sack, he'll get a pick at some point in his career. The fact that he was day one, the guy, is really impressive. It's the same thing with Zach Tom. We didn't have to see his PFF grades to know that something special was going on with Zach Tom. The biggest thing with Zach Tom is he's getting reps with the starters while Sean Ryan can't even get reps with the second team. Zach Tom was a fourth-round pick. Sean Ryan's a third-round pick. What the heck is going on here? That tells us everything we need to know, more so than the fact that PFF gave him great grades through the preseason, aside from week three run blocking or whatever. Which, by the way, that was him at guard. So as a tackle, he's been nothing but basically perfect. And as a pass blocker, regardless of position, he's been perfect. He, he had a barely subpar grade as a run blocker, as a guard. By the way, and I'll talk about this on the podcast, not tomorrow, obviously, because that's done, but um, pretty encouraging, which I guess makes sense because these are our starters, but still encouraging. Um, let's see. Almost all the best players on this team are offensive linemen. <laughs> of the top 10, and Cole Van Lannen is one of them, he's gone, obviously, but of the top 10... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the top 10 are offensive linemen. 12th best player is an offensive lineman, John Runyon. But Josh Myers, Caleb Jones, Zach Tom, Royce Newman, Rasheed Walker, Jake Hansen, Yash Nyman, Cole Van Landen, all top 10. The only guys in the top 10, not offensive linemen, Danny Davis, who's gone, and Danny Etling. Lowest graded, Tyler Davis. <laughs> oh, love good old Tyler. So anyways, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know other than that, what other overarching storylines that there have been or need to be settled, um, how the, the DBs get sorted out, Razul in the slot and Jair on the boundary, kind of a minor thing. Um, long snapper, Jack Coco won the job. So hopefully that kind of answers your question, I guess. Um, I don't know if you think that there's a need to go outside of the roster so far to find some safety help with, I don't know how, how severe Savage's injury is, but I did read that Baltimore's got a safety. His name is Chuck Clark. I think he wants to trade out of there. I don't Chuck know if it's worth pursuing a guy like that. I don't know what his grades are or his stats are or anything. I do know that um, his three-year contract that he signed two years ago has no more guaranteed money left on it. Uh, maybe Baltimore just cuts him if they don't think he's going to play you know very well in their locker room but just curious if that's interesting to, to look at and lastly there's been a little bit of talk about uh how many catches aaron jones and aj Dillon have this year i think there was a reference to that each could have 50 i think that's actually kind of a, a low number i agree 17 games uh 50 catches is three catches a game i think aaron jones is, is better than that I think uh, Dylan is about that. I'm I'm thinking Jones might be upwards more like 70, right. and uh, and Dylan more like 50. Yep. They're going to be high percentage um, passes most likely, so they don't have to throw very many targets for them to get that many catches to equal 70 and 50 respectively. Uh, I don't know what you think about that or, or how they should utilize. Frankly, I think people forget that uh, if you look at Aaron Jones's performance in the playoff game last year. He more than outplayed Debo Samuel, which was the headline of the, quote, victory by the, the Niners. I know they won, but it was really problems with our special teams that, that, that I think Jones' performance really went uh, unnoticed. And I'm looking forward to him breaking out even more than he's broken out so far. Anyway, thanks. Bye. Yeah, no, I, I, those are pretty identical to the numbers that I had just kind of off the top of my head. Um, I, again, that, that whole, you know, they could each have 50 receptions thing. Um, I think Aaron Jones already had more than 50 last year. Dylan was pretty close. So the, the combine of 100 is pretty much what they did last year. I think they were at 90-some-odd receptions last year. So it's it's not even that big of a of a thing. It just means A.J. Dillon would get more. So, yeah, I, I think the increase in targets would look more like A.J. Dillon 50, Aaron Jones 70. I think that is pretty... Um, and I, and I think those are minor increases for both of them. I, I want to say, 
I should just look it up. I keep referencing it and I don't, I have a number in my mind for each of these guys, but if they're wrong, I sound uh, more dumb than, than I realized. So looking at the entire season, regular and postseason, Aaron Jones, 61, AJ Dillon, 34. So yeah, it would be 16 more receptions for Dillon, which I guess is significant. It's a 50% increase. Uh, Aaron Jones already had 61. He had 74 targets. So uh, 61 would just be nine more, which is again, not that much, but Either way, the the combined look at roughly 120, when they had 95 already, I think that would be a more, um, I mean, noteworthy increase. If they have an increase that's like 102, that's bare, that's basically breaking exactly even. And I don't think that's going to happen with Devontae leaving. So I think 120 is sort of a bare minimum jump with a massive uh, departure of a guy like Devontae Adams. So that, that would be my numbers as well, roughly. And, and especially because it would be a bigger jump for A.J. Dillon than Aaron Jones, because Aaron Jones is already heavily involved, and I think he gets a, a, an increase. But I think they've been massively complimentary of A.J. Dillon in, in the passing game. I think they realize he can be used a lot more than he has been. Um, Aaron Rodgers has heaped so much praise on him, specifically as a receiver. So I think there's a, a slightly larger jump for A.J. Dillon, a you know relatively normal, sizable jump for, for Aaron Jones. But that's kind of the way I see it. As far as Chuck Clark, I mean, I know you weren't asking necessarily specifically, but he seems fine. Um, the only issue I have with all this stuff is kind of like what I was just talking about with Quay and all these other guys. It's not just a matter of like your PFF grade. I have to know that when you come here, you can contribute. So I think it would be really beneficial to make sure that they understand what it is we do here. Cause we can't start from ground zero, you know, I mean, I guess we can, but um, we're relying on you to do some pretty significant stuff with very limited understanding. You know, we, we talk about how year two and year three, these guys finally start to understand stuff, but yet we want to go out and get guys and expect day one with zero understanding of how this defense works to be able to play. That just seems impossible. Now these things do happen with trades and everything else, but I think the reason that they don't happen as much, you know, I mean, fans get really upset with that because they'll look at it and go, look at the guys we have and look at the guys that are out there. The guys that are out there are better than the guys we have. Why wouldn't you just make the trade? Because it's not Madden. You don't look at it like you look at Madden where my guy is a 67 overall grade. That guy is a 71 overall Madden grade. So why wouldn't I just swap them out? It's not Madden. The guy with the 67 overall grade has been working with our, our defense and our special teams for two years. Obviously, some of those things have changed, but let's just say that's why. And I don't want to give up on this guy that I've invested so much time into, and he's invested so much of his time into what we do here. And and if there's any bit of potential that this guy can continue to grow and I see him getting better every single day, that's the human element of it, as opposed to the video game element of this, or even the PFF element of this, the human element of people and their understandings and their relationships and how they interact and how they learn. And I know he's a good studier and I know he's continuing to grow and I know he puts in the work. I don't know that guy. I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's a locker room problem. I don't know if he's a study guy. I don't know if he's a good listener, good learner. I don't know anything about the guy. I don't know if when he has good days, why he has good days. If he has bad days, why he has bad days. You know, he's got a 66 overall grade on defense, which is fine, but it's a lot of 40s with a couple 90s mixed in. What the heck is that about? He's primarily a strong safety. His special teams is kind of in the 60s or whatever. So that that's what makes it so hard from my standpoint when people say, is there anybody we can go out and get? I don't know, man. I mean, I can look up a list and look at their PFF grades and be like, I don't know that guy, I guess. But there's so much that goes into it that I can't even begin to touch. And I, I don't even have the the beginnings of anything that could possibly even answer that question. Now, I did spend on tomorrow's podcast a good amount of time specifically on safety. Um, and if Savage is out, that might change some stuff because I do think we're kind of at a point of I don't know what to do. Um, Davis, you know, with Vernon Scott being gone, Davis seems to be the next man up, but I don't think Davis is a very good solution. And I think that's part of the reason we saw Razul taking some snaps at safety, because although I do think Davis is still number three, I think the Packers realize that safety number three is sort of a, I don't know about this. And, and again, if Savage is out, he is now safety number two, he's starting. And I don't know how, how comfortable they are with that. And, and if they don't want him to be that guy, well, then you shouldn't be safety number three, because in my mind, safety number three, linebacker number three, although it's partially about special teams, you got to be ready to play on game day, right? Chris Barnes is a great special teams guy. He really is. But he also needs to be able to play linebacker because, you know, like I said in the show tomorrow, somebody's going to twist their ankle. Somebody's going to come out for a play or two. You're going to have to be able to play. 
And if Davis is next man up at safety, you have to be able to play safety. And if they don't, if they're not comfortable with him doing that, then we have to find somebody else. And to be honest, that may change things in a way to where you you might consider bringing a guy like Abernathy onto the fifty three because, as weird as it sounds, he's the one guy that actually kind of lit it up as a safety, not special teams. That's not his thing. Some of the other guys are good special teamers. Tariq Carpenter, I have on my fifty three now. I just put him on because he's a special teamer as as my four behind Davis. But you know, I don't know. It it is kind of tough, and and that is I do I, I do think a question. I think it's a very good question. Do we have a guy? forget special teams that can play safety next to Adrian Amos. Cause right now that guy is, is Davis is Sean Davis. And I don't know if that's the right answer. Obviously it's not a great answer, but that's not the question. A guy that's adequate. That's not as good as Savage, not as good as Amos, but, but is just a lesser version of that, but can understand the defense and knows where he's supposed to be and all that stuff. They'll, they'll roll with that. But I get, I just get the impression with the Razul Douglas thing, and maybe they're just trying stuff for the sake of trying stuff, but it just kind of put a little red flag in my brain that made me say, you know what, I wonder if they're panicking a little bit. As far as who they could go get, I don't know. We have to monitor some of the cuts and find that some of that stuff out. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess we could do that now, since we looked at a couple other positions uh, last time around. But the first thing that I want to look at is bunches, right? Because you can't keep everybody. First of all, Devontae Cross is ranked fifth, which is kind of hilarious. But you got two Miami guys at second and third, Elijah Campbell, Clayton Fejilodadamamalam. It's on his birth certificate. Don't don't bug me. You don't know my truth. Looks like Clayton's already gone, but you still got Elijah Campbell there. Elijah Campbell is safety three for the Miami Dolphins. I don't know that he makes it. Probably want a guy that's got some NFL experience. He does with three different teams. Now, that doesn't sound great, but at the same time, three different teams means three different playbooks. There's a pretty good chance that he's come across somebody's playbook that's somewhat similar, some kind of the concepts. You got some understanding like, hey, if we do this, you get, yeah, yeah, I got it. We did that, and we did that with New York back here. And this thing, I understand, we used to do that with Cleveland back in 18. The guy's been around a little bit. Also not a terrible special teamer. So I don't want to go through a a billion different lists. I'm thinking about doing a sub stack, kind of doing some of these things, but been very busy. But yeah, I, I, I do think that's worth considering. Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey. Hey, uh, after I got done with my patrol last night, I uh, sat down and watched the, the reruns up to uh, when it got live in the fourth quarter. And uh, I have to say, uh, I don't know what's more cringy, uh, watching Jordan overthrow the ball to open guys or Michael Scott doing an Asian impression. <laughs> so I'm uh, still optim- hey. optimistic. Don't make fun of Ping, all right? You can't be picking on Ping. And uh, there are guys that had some flashes, but for the most part, special teams looked like those guys were running in sand. Yep. It was very unimpressing. And uh, I'm just hoping that uh, these guys can uh, get into another gear. So uh, let's hope and pray these next two weeks these guys light a fire and come out strong. Have a good one, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm ready to put the Jordan Love thing to bed, just not in terms of my assessment, just because it's time to focus on Aaron Rodgers. Um, it was it was a rough ending. It really was. Oh for six on deep passes. That's that sucks. And it, it, it primarily sucks because he was having such a great preseason, you know. But um special teams, yeah, I, I don't really have super high expectations. I do hope that as we transition to the regular season it does improve. Um a lot of people are pessimistic about that, but it, it does make some sense. A lot of the people that made mistakes, who were they? I mean, there's specific people making mistakes. Who are they? Are they still on the team? Because if not, somebody else is going to be standing in that spot, potentially making the right decision as opposed to the wrong decision. It's not as though when a guy returns a kick and gets 40 yards, every single person on special teams failed. No, it's probably one, two, maybe three guys on that side of the field that didn't exactly do what they were supposed to do. How many of those three are starters, are going to be on the 53-man roster? I mean, if you look at the special teams for the regular season last year, pretty much every single one of our starters played. Rashawn Gary played special teams. A.J. Dillon was actually a very good special teamer. Devondre Campbell was an incredible special teamer. Again, Chris Barnes. And Chris Barnes played in the preseason, I'm sure, too, but it gets spread out a lot more. Chris Barnes is going to be a major part of our special teams this year. He's not going to be sharing with 17 other linebackers that are trying to make the, the squad along with... 40 safeties, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's going to be condensed down to our better players. Now, 
What does that mean? I don't know. Probably not great because it's the same group of studs that sucked last year. So we'll see. But um, I don't necessarily expect it to be quite as bad, but maybe it will be. I don't know. All right. Let's hear it. Do your thing, man. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Caller 5 News. We have a breaking news report out of the city of Chicago. There is a fog covering the city. It is causing delirium, psychotic thoughts, and memory loss. <laughs> Some of the symptoms have included uh, believing Jordan Love is the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, believing Justin Fields is going to have an all-pro season, and believing the Chicago Bears are going to win more than seven games. Uh, scientists don't know much about this uh, fog, but it will have more for you at 11. Now, off to Jack Hofstetter for sports. Jack, how's it going over there? Yeah, you know, it's going pretty good. Uh, we just have uh, one thing to cover today. That is Matt LaFleur is plus 2,000 for the coach of the year. And uh, Rashawn Gary is plus 3,000 for defensive player of the year. Uh, which one, I mean, if you have a podcast out there, I think a good question to answer would be uh, who, who, what's more likely, Matt LaFleur winning coach of the year or Rashawn Gary winning defensive player of the year? Again, if you had a podcast, that would be a great question <laughs> to answer. Uh, back to you, Dick. We'll have more 11. Again, thanks so much, Jack Hoff. You are one of the best sportscasters in the business. Anyway, have a good one. Goodbye. So I'm an idiot. I'm I'm trying to um, figure out who that person is, and then then I I got the joke. All right. Tell you what, man. I don't I don't I think that's high quality entertainment. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm alone in that. All right. So the question is: Matt Lafleur plus two thousand for coach of the year. Rashawn Gary plus three thousand for the. I I gotta lean Rashawn. Just because I think, as I've said with Zadarius, Zadarius had his breakout year. He didn't get any accolades. Now, granted, he didn't get Defensive Player of the Year, but then the next year, he basically just kind of did it again. And there, everybody was like, whoa, Zadarius is so good, and now we all acknowledge it. We just wanted to get that one year out of the way just to make sure. I feel like that's where Rashawn is. Everybody kind of looked at him like, all right, oh, that's pretty good. Even, even, you know, it's something, too, when you know, those lists come out and Rashawn's on it, and still you don't even see, like, Bears fans even arguing. You might see a couple, but it's not like a, these guys are delusional, how stupid. It's kind of like a, eh, whatever, he's he's not that good. But they know the dude is good. So he's kind of in limbo, just kind of waiting. So I think the bar is is lower. He, he's got to get the sacks. That's the hardest part. And he does have some tough competition. But the reason I can't pick Matt LaFleur is because there's nothing he can do, I don't believe, outside of winning the Super Bowl, that's going to get him coach of the year. So not trying to say we're definitely not winning the Super Bowl or anything. I'm just looking at the odds. We've got, it's not really 1 in 32 odds because obviously some teams have no chance, but call it 1 in 16 odds of winning the Super Bowl. Are there 16 pass rushers that have a better chance of uh, winning it than, than Rashawn does? That's kind of, it's kind of what I'm looking at. I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of like the Rashawn Gary Super Bowl against Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, those guys winning Defensive Player of the Year, there's probably only about five that are like really legit, hard to pass them type of guys. I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll go Rashawn. I know the the safe money's probably on Matt Lafleur, but I, I genuinely don't think outside of and I don't even know when, when do they give you that award? Is it pre prior to? I don't know. It's all stupid. I'm saying Rashawn. That's that's my thing. I don't know the answer. Uh, why don't we take a break? Right, Shia. We got a whole lot of Garrett on the other side of this, but uh, we'll try to mix it up. We'll take a break. 608-501-0718 is the number to call. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
Hey, how you doing, man? This is Steve up in Alaska. Join us. Sunny day, the first one in a while. Um, question for you that I got today is, how do you feel about usage when it comes to running backs? I'm, I'm of the nature where, you know, running backs have a short shelf life anyways, you know. 29, 30, they're pretty well done. So I'm of the line that you use them. You know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this whole the guy gets 15 touches, 12 touches, and that's considered a good game for him. I, I like to see, you know, a guy like A.J. Dillon, you know, being as powerful as he is, getting 25, 28 touches. Give him a chance to really hound up and beat up on a defense some and wear him out so that in the fourth quarter they're tired, they're, they're sick of getting hit, and all of a sudden our wide receivers are getting more open. The corners don't, you know, the defensive corners don't want to cover anymore because they've been hit so much by our running backs. Um, but, yeah, what's your opinion on that with the – the idea of usage for running backs. All right, man, have a good one. No, I think I think you're right about guys getting kind of worn out early. I think there's a there's a couple things. Number one, um, it's a massive benefit to, to having two running backs like the Packers have. Everybody has two running backs, but not everybody has two quite as good. So you you can kind of cut back on both of their carries, but still as though you have this one massive Goliath. You know, if they if if Aaron Jones, let's say, has 15 carries, and A.J. Dillon has 20 carries, which is a pretty hefty game. You're looking at 35 carries against a top-five running back, any way you slice it. So that's pretty massive. And, and again, they'll tire you out in different ways. Aaron Jones with his speed and his shiftiness and all this stuff, and he's got a little power to him. Or A.J. Dillon just smashing you in the mouth over and over and over again. They're going to beat you down. And I think one of the, the somewhat counterpoints to what you were saying, um, is that it's not necessarily 30 and you're done. I think part of the reason they're done so early is because they get beat up so much. So I think if you increase the usage, look at um, Vikings running back, um, Dalvin Cook. I think part of the reason he's so broke early, I mean, he's 27, he might as well be 30. That, that, that guy has is, is kind of been broke down since he was like 25 years old. And a lot of it has to do with his usage. Um, I don't know that if he was on a snap count, he would have a, a more productive life. But the point is, this dude ain't going to make it to 30. I mean, he, he might still be in the league somewhere, but it, it, they, they've just put too much on his shoulders. So I think with Aaron Jones, the, the point is, if you want him to play as long as he has, the reason why he's been as, as good as he has for as long as he has and probably can for several more years, whether that's one, two, three, I don't know, but is because he's playing 12, 13 snaps in a game as opposed to 25-30 like guys like Dalvin do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've always wanted Aaron Jones to get more carries. I was very angry about that because he was such a productive back and they just never gave him the chance. And I think that's going to be true of A.J. Dillon, but at the same time, I get it, and I'm grateful that we have two guys um, to be able to shoulder it so that you get hit in the mouth, again, by a top-five guy upwards of 30-some-odd times in a game. Hey, Ryan, I forgot to highlight one thing that I noticed uh, about the defensive line. Uh, Heflin, the garbage can full of dirt, yeah. ironically was the only defensive player that didn't look like garbage <laughs> playing defense last night. The guy was flying around. He made a tremendous play on fourth down. Uh, you got to give him uh, some gold stars for that effort, and uh, we'll just see what happens. But, uh you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's a preseason game. I try not to get too worked up about it, but uh, we'll see what happens. Have a good one. I think that's the benefit, too, of, of guys like Heflin. You know, I went back and looked at some of his stats, talked about him a little bit on the podcast. Pass rush in particular was terrible. I mean, he just had none. But as a run defender, again, trash can full of dirt, you, you kind of expect just hard to move and whatnot. Um, but the benefit for those guys is they're not expected to be every down contributor. Like Kenny Clark, we're, we're not going to be very good if Kenny Clark's a guy that like shows up like once or twice in a game. If Heflin comes in with his limited opportunities and forces a fumble, Heflin has done everything we could have ever asked for him in a game. Same was true with Devontae Wyatt. And that's the, that's the reason why I'm, I'm not as pessimistic about Wyatt. I understand on a down-to-down basis he's struggling. right? That, that seems to be the case. Uh, based on what they're doing with him on the roster, what PFF has seen, all these different things. There's no indication that he's really rising through the ranks in any real way. Um, he's even alluded to the fact that he's struggling. And he, he's talked about Aaron Rodgers like patting him on the back, like, oh, don't worry about it, man. It happens. It takes time. So it's, it's, it's not even a question that he's struggling. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur saying, you know, well, you know, defensive tackle is one of the hardest to get acclimated to, all those things. But the point is, 
you can go on and look at Sam Holman's highlights of the one or two things that he really flashed with and realize that if 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 the starting defense is able to keep the quarterback to, you know, get him to hold the ball for more than two seconds, unlike we were do, able to do through the whole preseason, he's probably got a couple sacks in there. He's probably got a couple good plays under his belt. And that's going to be critical. Um, he's not going to be out there very much, but if he's out there, I don't know, 15, 20% of the snaps for the defensive tackles and he ends up getting a sack, he ends up making some disruptive plays, even chasing the quarterback out of the pocket and stuff like that, which, you know, again, consistency is not going to be his thing right now, but can you be a splash player? I think he can be. So yeah, it's preseason and yeah, not everything's great about Heflin, but Heflin isn't a core guy. The core guys you need on a down-to-down basis. And it's going to be same with like Quay. You know, more is going to be expected of him. Um, more is expected of Lazard and Rogers and AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. And the offensive line basically has to be perfect. Every single snap, the corners, the starting corners are a lot is expected of them, but the rotational guys, especially rotational defensive tackles, you know, Heflin, if you can just stand there and not get moved and occasionally like, you know, swat the ball or something, money, money, uh, an ag bar situational pass rusher. You know, if we put you in situ in, in pass rush situations where we're, 95% 95% sure they're not going to run. Maybe they do a draw or something, and it's going to be on the safeties and linebackers mostly to kind of fix that. You go get them. And if we can count on you to just get to him quickly so that he can't sit in the pocket, you did your job. That's it. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, don't don't get high expectations for him, but um, I don't know. We'll see. What else is going on? Hey, Ryan, I got a question for you. So what do you think stunk worse this week? The special teams? The diaper pail at JJ's house, Tom's calls, grilled Brussels sprouts. Let me know what you think. Huh. Okay. What stinks worse um, of these things? What stunk worse? Diaper pail at JJ's house. Just so you know, newborn babies, poop doesn't stink that bad. So I'm not going with that. It's pretty odorless. So you start giving them solid food, then it becomes a then it becomes a problem. Tom's calls, I love Tom's calls, so not not going down that road with you, Garrett. Grilled Brussels sprouts are, are disgusting, or special teams. Um, well, I have not seen a grilled Brussels sprout in my life, so if we're talking about this last week, what stunk the worst? Maybe somewhere out there is a grilled Brussels sprout, but I'm I'm going Packer special teams. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever smelled grilled Brussels sprouts. I never want to, so I can pretend that the special teams was worse. Um, we could probably wrap these up here. What's up, caller number five? Hey, Ryan. Oh, jeez. This is caller, Ryan. <laughs> You're losing me here, man. Is this, what is this, Michael Jackson or what? What is going on? You can answer. It came from Justice Mosqueda. He's saying that we should say to. But I don't know, because I was like, no way. But then I said, I'm and then I was like, what if we're healthy? Come the trade deadline. What do you think we could get for him? If it's a second, then a face will win. But I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Somebody's got to tell and me I what this is. Sing on a call again. Thank you. Again. Again. <laughs> I promise you. Okay, that's it. What the heck was that? What is that? Is that a song I'm supposed to know? I'm trying to half pay attention and also think what I'm listening to at the same time. Um, I had a question. It came from Justice Mosquito, according to Google. He's saying that we should say that, but I don't know, because I was like, no way. What do you think we could get for him if it's a second, then a favor to win? But I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, and I promise I'll never sing on the color again. But yeah, again. So... That is the question, according to Google, and that's Google made out more than I was able to. Let me go back and see if I can find the point of the question. You guys, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast, because I'm going to have to listen to that like five times to get this question. So any and all support. Shrink bills, probably expensive. I don't know. I'm about to find out. PTSD. I don't know what the treatments are, but you know it's going to be a thing. I'm about 40% sure he's saying Yash Nyman, but I, I'm i not sure. And because it kind of makes sense, I might just run with that. Let me see if I can find Justice Muscada and what he's talking about. How the heck do you spell his name? 
There, found it. All right, what is he talking about here? Da, 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 da. I don't know. I can't find anything. Should we trade him? Should we trade Yash Nyman? Um, look, I mean, I know the auto answer is going to be no, that's stupid. He's amazing. We love him, et cetera, et cetera. But let's just hold on a second. Because, again, we have a lot of tackles. Now, maybe it's too early, but we have two starting tackles in David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. We have Royce Newman, who we apparently sort of like at that position. We have Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, and Yash Nyman. Now, I don't know. I say it's too early because I, I can't imagine Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, or Zach Tom are actually ready for the big time. But here's the thing. What if somebody watched Yash last year and they said, we'll give you, I don't know, third round pick. I hate to say that because Packer fans are going to be like, dude, nobody wants, why would we want that? We suck at third round picks. But I can't say second because that's too ridiculous. And fourth, I don't know if it's worth it. He's probably not really even worth more than a fourth, but I don't know. It's not a bad flip, man. Would not be a bad flip to get a fourth for Yash. But again, it, it's just, I don't know if Zach Tom's ready. I mean, we're, it's three rookies. And, and we can't do it today because, for all I know, Elton and David Bakhtiari are not ready. So now we don't have Yash either. So that's our top three tackles that are gone. So now we're looking at Zach Tom and Royce with Jake Hansen at guard. I don't know if anybody feels good about that. But this is maybe something where next year, Zach Tom's looking good. We like Caleb. We like Rashid, at least as far as backups go. Probably draft three more offensive linemen anyways. But I, I just think it's too early right now. I think we need Yash early in the season. We might need him later in the season because more injuries are going to happen. I'm not the biggest Yash fan in the world, but um, he's certainly capable. I would say probably more so than anybody else um, not named Bakhtiari at Alton Jenkins right now. So I'm not ready to to pull the trigger on that. There's always a price for a first-round pick. Would I do it? Yes. Would anybody ever give up a first-round pick for Yash? No. Second-round pick, would I do it? Yes. Would anybody do that? No. Third-round pick, it's cursed. So I don't really ever want a third-round pick. Sorry, Sean Ryan. I mean, we should have seen that coming. Josiah, I need to stop hoping that that's going to be a thing. Amari Rogers. That's what we need is, is one, one of these guys to break the curse. Somebody has to break the curse. Somebody has to do it. Be a good question, too. If somebody were to do it, who would it be? Who's going to be the first to break the curse of the three guys that we have right now? Amari Rogers, Sean Ryan, Josiah DeGuara. It's got to be Josiah, right? And I guess it could be. It could be Amari. Amari probably makes more sense. I just, I guess I just don't believe it in my bones. Hopefully that was your question. And I still, I thought I was picking up on a song. Maybe you're just, this whole thing is just you completely making something up for some horrible reason. But there was a part in there where I was like, oh, I know that song. But probably not. But maybe. Anyways, uh, we got two more from Garrett. Let's just do it. Let's just rock it out, man. Hey, Ryan. This is Garrett. Hello. Hey, here's my actual Back to the Future hypothetical question. Okay. What if Marty McFly could go back in time or yep. Back to the Future and change one player's draft pick that would drastically change an organization's success or failure in the next 15 years of their of their uh, seasons. Uh, what player would that be? Who would you tell Marty to pick and change in the draft order? If it was me, <clears throat> I would tell him to tell Green Bay to not take Tony Mandrich and actually pick. Barry Sanders or Deion Sanders. So that would be mine, number one. Um, I was just curious what uh, hypothetical you would uh, propose that they do. And it could be a different team, too. I just wonder. Have a great weekend, Ryan. So I probably wouldn't do that just because I'd be too scared that that butterfly effect would mess everything up and the Packers wouldn't end up with Brett Favre and they wouldn't end up with Aaron Rodgers and it would just cause this chain reaction of death. Um, we'd obviously have one good player, but who knows how that sets things off down a path. I'm, I'm good with where we are. I'm good with the history that I've had as a, as a Packer fan. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching nothing. Although maybe I go back just a couple years here. Um, if I can go back and change any... Let's do Packers one, because non-Packers, the first thing that comes to mind, and I, I hate to do it, but it's obvious, Bears fans needed to have taken Pat Mahomes. Plain and simple. They had it. It was right there. They didn't even have to trade up. They could have just sat there. Somebody else, nobody was going to move up, and even if they did, it probably wasn't for Mahomes. Um, you just sit right there. You don't give away your picks. You take Pat Mahomes, and the rest is history. But the Bears still suck, as the song goes. 
if I had to make one change, and I, I would even be hesitant about TJ Watt because with TJ Watt, we don't get Zadarius, we don't get Preston, we don't get Rashawn, probably. And you could say that's fine, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. That changes a lot of stuff that I'm not sure I'm 100% okay with. Who are the best players at any and all positions? Um, quarterback is on the table, by the way. It'd have to be somebody that we could draft that would have been within our range, second-round pick or something. Jalen Hurts is an option. He seems not terrible. If we had gotten Jalen Hurts, maybe we would have. No no offense to to love. I'm just saying. It's, it's, uh, it's a thing that maybe could be a thing. I think the rest of the quarterbacks I'd be interested in went way too early. Um, there are actually two guys that have higher receiving grades than Justin Jefferson. There's three. One of them's a running back, but he's only played a couple snaps. Two tight ends that are actually graded higher than Justin Jefferson looking at receiving grades of guys that were drafted in the last four years, or five, I guess, but not including this last year. Dallas Goddard, who is a second-round pick, pick 49 overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. He had a 91.1 receiving grade. Mark Andrews is the other one who is a third-round pick. So I would lean tight end, and probably to not mess anything up, um, I don't know that I want Dallas Goddard in the second round. Just give me Mark Andrews. Give me Mark Andrews. He's younger anyways. Dallas Goddard is 27.6 years old. Mark Andrews, 2018, third round pick, number 86 overall, elite tight end, good blocker, unbelievable receiver. Um, just give me that guy. And then we got Mark Andrews to go with everybody else. And nobody would even care. Now, would that have changed things in terms of maybe we don't go out and get all these receivers? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we don't get Dobbs. We got Mark Andrews as our number one along with Lazard, and we drafted Watson. We don't need Dobbs, you know what I'm saying? That's that's the that's the fear, but I'll tell you what. Even knowing what I know about Dobbs, I don't know that I care because we got Mark freaking Andrews on our team. So, anyways, Garrett's got one more. What's going on, man? Hey, Joe. Hey. I wanted to let you know that I uh, hope your landscaping job is going well. And uh, before you ask, uh, no, I don't think I can probably refer you to the sheriff's department. Uh, there's just no screwing around down there, so uh, I'll have to have a hard pass on that one, man. Well, Joe, sorry. I uh, hope you're doing good. I haven't heard from you in a while. I know you were moving back in the house, and then um, that was on like oh, almost a week ago that you were things were going in a positive direction. You're probably too busy working. That's probably the problem for Joe. He's too busy working. Um, anyways, that's it. That was the last call of the day. So you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. Going to need some calls, so get those calls in, 608 I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.